evening from Acts chapter 2 and verses 42 to 47 I want to read. Some verses we're all very familiar with. <coughs> Acts 2 from 42 to the end. And they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, and having favour with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's verse 42 that I want to just take one word from uh, the, this morning. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I believe that we, the church of the 21st century, can learn a lot from the example of these that were found in the early church. Remember, they were spiritual babes. They'd only just got saved. 3,000 of them added to the 120 who were in the upper room. And it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And I want to consider just that one word, the word devoted. And the word devoted uh, comes from a cluster of words. And because I use the English Standard Version, I'll give the statistic from the English Standard Version that appear around 89 times in this translation, which are closely linked to the word which is devout. Devout. Devoted. And they were devoting themselves or devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now the word devote, devoted is used the same in the NIV, which I know the majority use, and in the NLT, which I know some use. But in the King James Version, it is translated as they continued steadfastly. So that helps us to understand what the word devoted means here in this verse. They continued steadfastly. They were fixed in it. They weren't willing to be moved to the left or to the right or to be distracted in any way from being in the place of the apostle teaching, receiving the apostle teaching, and of being in the place of fellowship and in the place of the breaking of bread and of the place of prayer. And so in a biblical sense, <coughs> the word devoted involves a person being devoted to God and to all that springs from our relationship with God. So it requires a person to be godly and to have a heart that is characterized by the wholehearted, the pure, and undivided worship of God. So in the biblical sense it means 
to be wholehearted, to be single-minded, and to give oneself 100% over to God, towards godly things, and towards godly activity. And so that godly activity here is the Apostles' Doctrine, it's the breaking of bread, it's the fellowship and prayers. So the new believers here in Acts chapter 2, they already knew what devotion was all about. Because they knew what is required of them prior to the day of Pentecost as individuals who would have been devoted to all the requirements of what it meant to be those who had been brought up in Judaism. And so we know that in Judaism, they are devoted wholeheartedly to the way that they were brought up in the Jewish religion. And so that's one of the reasons why they were found in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. It came out of their devotion to Judaism. And so they were in Jerusalem on that day because they knew it was required of them in their devotion to God to be found in Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of the Passover. So they understood something of what devotion was and what it meant to be devoted to God in the religion of Judaism. But by the time we get to verse 42, uh, and we don't know how long a elapsed between verse 41, where it says, so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day, <coughs> about 3,000 souls. We don't know how much of a gap there was before we jump into verse 42, which is my text for this morning. But I'm assuming that the way that Luke is recording everything for us, it was not very long. I think he was showing us that immediately, after they were converted, they became devoted to these things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread and of prayers. See, they had moved... <coughs> I don't know how this is, but it'll do. <coughs> they had moved from devotion to Judaism to being devoted, or we could use the word committed, to this new experience of faith which they had, they had encountered after Peter's preaching of the gospel. And it doesn't mean that they suddenly understood what it was all about. They had believed the gospel, they had accepted Jesus, but it doesn't mean they suddenly understood what it was all about. But we can gather from the text that I've come to this morning that they were eager to learn. They wanted to get to understand what this newfound way was all about. And although this is not specifically mentioned in Acts chapter 2, I draw my own conclusion, which is this. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit and not only convicted them of their sinfulness, despite the fact that they were men and women who worshipped God, but it also impressed on their hearts that this was a new day. God was doing a new thing. God was, as the Hebrew light writer would later say, speaking in these last days through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ.
And so the one who they had crucified just a few weeks earlier, they discovered he truly was the long-awaited-for Messiah. He was the sent one, and his atonement, his death, and his undeniable resurrection had ushered in a new way. And what to be the only way to gain access to God. So there was no more sacrificing. There was no more striving to fulfill the law. For Christ had become the ultimate sacrifice. Christ had fulfilled the law. And as a result, his righteousness would be imputed to all who would simply come and believe by faith. And so, as a result, immediately that those who up to that point followed all the ritual and practice of Judaism were saved. And because they were saved, it says that they were immediately baptised. And then following on from that, immediately they devoted themselves to this new thing, to this new way, rejoicing that they'd been released from their sin, they'd been released from having to sacrifice week after week, and they'd been released to come to live a new life of service and devotion to their Saviour. Therefore, what could be better than to devote themselves wholeheartedly to this new experience which carried with it eternal consequences? And so they devoted themselves to this new cause, which involved coming together and gathering together with everyone else who had encountered God in this new way through the Lord Jesus Christ. We could say that they needed to be able to move away from what was in the past to what now had become the new present reality in their experience. And so Luke tells us that they devoted, or as I mentioned earlier, they committed themselves wholeheartedly. And that's the important thing that we need to grasp this morning. They committed themselves wholeheartedly to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, prayer, and of the breaking of bread. And we need to see what it says later on. It says, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I think that the Holy Spirit has placed that there immediately after their devotion to the things of God to help us to understand if we want God to do things amongst us, then we too need to be devoted in the same way. We need to hunger and thirst after the things of God. We need to be found in unity together. And so if we here at Emmanuel Pentecostal Church want to see the same among us as we see here amongst these early believers, then we need to be wholehearted in our devotion to God. We need to be wholehearted in our practice of being in fellowship together. We need to do all we can to have what was the activity of the past, the lifestyle we once used to live, wiped out and replaced by what is of present value 
in making us to become effective disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Choosing to be involved in that which has benefit not only for the here and now, but has benefit for the whole of eternity. And these new believers in Acts chapter 2 were enthralled with what had happened to them. It excited them so much that they wanted to know more. They wanted to be immersed into it. They wanted to be all that the Lord wanted them to be so that they would be able to do all that he wanted them to do. And so to these early believers, nothing else seemed to matter and nothing else was going to take priority in their lives but their devotion to these new things of God. For this new thing had brought them into, first of all, a living and a life transformation, a transforming relationship with God. They now began to understand God as not a distant God who they could only try to reach through all the sacrifice and everything else. But in this new living and life transforming relationship, they suddenly understood God as their father. And they could come to God as their father. And it also brought them into a living and life transforming relationship with one another. They now became brothers and sisters in the family of God. And I want to suggest that this new uh, experience also brought them into a living and life-transforming relationship with the Word of God, which for them at the time would have just been the Old Testament, the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. And suddenly, if I could put it this way, the old rule book, which uh, they looked at as a rule book, would have come to a, alive to them as they began to see the plan and purpose of God being fulfilled right before their eyes. And as the Hebrew writer would later write, they suddenly realised that the word of God was living and it was powerful. See, it brought them into a life-transforming relationship, not only with the God of the Old Testament, but it brought them into a life-transforming relationship with the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as both John and Paul would later pen for us in 1 John and 2 Corinthians. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. <coughs> so we could ask, or think of it this way, why would the Jews want to continue in the old religion when God had provided something far better? And why would we want to continue our own old ways? Why would we want to continue in the things and the pleasures of the world when God has provided something far better for us? We find that the Jews, they struggled with some aspects. We know that later in the book of Acts that they tried to get the Gentiles to conform to some of the old practices. They needed a lot of instruction. They needed a lot of teaching. 
and some of the practice they wanted to keep up, it was okay for the girls, but it was not so pleasant for the young boys. Circumcision. You know what I mean. But it all needed to be put away. Because a new way had come. And a living way. Access to God through Jesus. And sadly, why is it that many who come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, somehow, and I don't understand why myself, they still prefer to keep hold of so much of what should have gone to allow instead for the new. And as a result, it has serious consequences, for it has an adverse affection, an advert, adverse effect upon that which should be their devotion towards God. See, this new and living way had such an immediate impact on them that they devoted themselves to these things. They wanted to learn. They wanted to grow. They wanted to be together, for they knew that being together enabled them to have strength against any opposition that would come against them. And we see, as I've shown us as we've gone through the book of Acts on a Friday evening, the opposition soon came. It was around the corner, and it hit them like a ton of bricks as they began to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they wanted, and they desired to pray, that is to seek God as far as, they, for, <coughs> as far as they were concerned. Nothing else mattered but the fulfilling of God's will for them in their lives individually and corporately. And they wanted and desired to break bread together in obedience to the command of Jesus to do this in remembrance of him and until he comes again. See, they've been so captivated by, captivated by this new thing that nothing else mattered to them at all but Jesus. See, they turned their eyes from everything else and fixed them firmly upon Jesus. For them, the things of the world had gone strangely dim. They would and could no longer be satisfied by what was. They immediately seemed to understand that they needed to hunger and thirst after righteousness to be filled and to be satisfied. And they knew that it was only through devotion to the things of God that this satisfaction would come and the hunger would be met. And so to, to be devoted, for you and I to be devoted again today, we have to be willing to give up other things. We have to. We must give up other things. To devote, be devoted means we have to learn to forsake other things. To be devoted, we must have to learn what it is to be wholehearted in the things of God and not half-hearted. To be devoted, we must surrender our all to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 26. He said, no one can serve two masters. And this is so important. And I believe it's so relevant for the church today. No one, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Or you cannot serve God and the world. We can't. Because we'll be devoted to the one and we'll despise the other. And too often, 
We are trying to do exactly what Jesus has told us, just will not work. It's one or the other. If only we could grasp how important the life of this church should be to each one of us. This is what God laid on my heart. If only we can grasp how important the life of this church should be to each one of us. Think about it for yourself this morning. How important is the life of this church to you? How important is the life of this church to me? If it's important, if we value it, then it should affect our attendance to the weekly activities that are taking place here. I'm looking around. You may not like what I'm saying this morning, but it's true. The future of this church depends upon how important it means to each one of us at this moment. We should be devoted to this place if we believe that God has called us to this place. And our devotion to this place should mean that we give priority to being here when there's something taking place. A Sunday morning, a Sunday evening, a Wednesday evening, a Friday evening. We should be devoted in the same way as the early disciples were. To coming together for teaching. To coming together for fellowship. For coming together for the breaking of bread. And for the coming together of prayer. Because it was when this church were devoted to these things that awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. It's when God sees devotion, he'll do things. If he sees that we're half-hearted, if we sees that we're less committed than we should be, then God, I think, says, well, why should I act on their behalf? He demands our all. He demands our all. And why am I concerned about these things? Well, I've been called as the pastor here. And one of the titles of a pastor is that of a shepherd. And because I'm a farmer's son and I've spent a long time on the farm with sheep, I know what shepherding is all about. And shepherd requires caring for the sheep. Shepherding requires looking after the sheep, looking out for the sheep. But shepherd means to feed the sheep. Feed the sheep. <laughs> And I mentioned it on Friday night for those of us that come 
and share God's word. And I think in particular on a Friday evening, what we're doing is we're preparing God's word because we believe that we need to take seriously the responsibility that God has given us to feed the sheep. And there's nothing more disappointing to a shepherd in the natural when he goes out into the field to feed the sheep and they don't bother to turn up to get the food that's put out for them. So the shepherd goes to find them. And he brings them to the trough or to the bales of hay that have been put in the field or the feed that's been put down on the ground. And so often I have to say I'm disappointed that the sheep failed to come to be fed from the word of God. Because we need it so much. We need it so much to help us in these days in which we're living in. If only we could follow the example of the early believers and be devoted to these things as they were. Who knows what God would unleash amongst us to move us forward in his will and his purpose. In Hebrews chapter 10, some verses we know so very well. And let us consider how to stir up one another. I trust I've stirred you up this morning. Not a hornet's nest, but I trust I've stirred you up this morning. Because that's my responsibility as a pastor. I'd be failing in my calling if I didn't do these things and challenge concerning these things. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Some would say, well, you're the pastor, that's why you're here every week. That's not the case. From a child growing up into my teenage years, I went to every meeting that was going on in the house of God. Prayer meeting, Bible study, Sunday morning, Sunday night, sometimes nearly every night of the week. Because as a younger generation in those days, we hungered and thirst after the things of God. We wanted to be in God's house. We wanted to be with God's people. We wanted to meet with God. And for God to meet with us. May God help each one of us. I know there are legitimate reasons. Don't worry, I do know that. There are legitimate reasons. But let's not create reasons. Or make excuses. Or find other things that become priorities that shouldn't become priorities but let's make sure we align what we are as God's children in accord to what he wants us to be as his children you know church is very comfortable today I'm glad that when I walked in here this morning that the heating was on I'm sure we all were and I'm glad that I can sit down in a nice padded seat and I'm sure you are when I go on for too long. <laughs> but we, we, we got it so well, haven't we? We've got the overhead, we've got the microphones, we've got the word that we can read, and we've got so much to make coming to church such an enjoyable experience. 
I'm reading a book at this moment. I bought it a few weeks ago. I'm only about maybe a quarter of the way through. It's a series of five books. I'm only in the beginning one at the moment, which is looking at the history of the church from the book of, uh, from the time of Acts up until the 1900s. And it's, a it's a period of church history within these books I've never really looked at before, but something caught my attention this week when they can look at what's been recorded and things like that as to what a typical church service would have been like somewhere around about AD 100 to 120, 130. The service would have been something like about three hours long. And very different to what it is today. And there would be a reading from the Old Testament. There would be a response. They may sing a hymn, maybe two hymns in the whole of the three hours. Um, or a psalm, go through a psalm or something like that. And then there would be some sort of instruction from the Word of God. And then this is what I found very strange, that at a certain point, they get to the certain point, and whoever was taking the service, the bishop or the elder, whoever it would have been, would then have said, all of you that are here that are unbelievers, you now have to leave. And the unbelievers would have to leave, and then they would have another add-on to that three hours, into that three hours, which would lead them to taking communion together. Unbelievers were not allowed to be in a communion service. Strange, isn't it? We find that very strange. But they were devoted. Despite all of the restrictions in so many ways, and they didn't have seats, they used to stand for three hours or sit on the floor. So comfortable today for us to come to the house of God. But what I want to say this morning is it may not always be like that. We're seeing such a rise of evil in our nation. We're seeing the protests that are taking place. We're seeing the rise of Islam like never before in our own nation. It should trouble us. It should concern us. Some of the stuff that is being chanted in the streets. It should alarm us as British people but as believers. Who knows how long before we will find them trying to shut down the churches and forbid us to come to worship. And we may think it'll never happen. Don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. <coughs> there is a rise of evil today like never has been before. And it's all against the people of God. Yes, you say it's anti-Semitism. Listen, it's more than anti-Semitism. It's anti-Christian. It's anti the true and living God. And so we need to be in fellowship. We need the word of God to enable us to stand when the days get darker. But we need the prayer. Don't complain about the state of the nation if you can't be bothered to come to the prayer meeting to pray for the nation, as we do every week. And God is looking for men and women who will humble themselves and confess and call out upon his name. 
It's our responsibility, collectively, together, to come to that place of surrendering our all to the Lord Jesus Christ and of being devoted to live for him and him alone. And then the world will see that we are his disciples. And God will be glorified. <laughs> it's a burden of my heart. It really is. It's a burden of my heart that we would become more devoted to what is taking place in this place. To be more in number. To be strengthened together. Because I believe it's then that God's blessing will come upon us. Maybe like never before. So let's hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you feel like it's been a reprimand, it's been a spiritual reprimand. But it's, it's what God has laid on my heart. It really is. I don't believe that God just called me here for the fun of it. Not at all. He called me here because... I, I was God's servant for this time. And I bring what I believe God lays on my heart to challenge each one of us. So if you're just sitting at home watching television on a Wednesday night, and most of it's rubbish, just stop and think you could be in God's house. You could be calling on the name of the Lord. If you're sitting on a Friday night watching rubbish, or sitting in a pub, drinking rubbish. Just realise you could be in the house of God. Being fed and filled with his word. Which is far better for you. So may God help us. And I speak into myself as well. To walk humbly before God. Reverently before God in awe and wonder before God for who he is and what he's done for us and live wholeheartedly wholeheartedly steadfastly for him and in his way